Welcome to the Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of the Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about the power of word of mouth. The help of special guest Mark Harari of Remodelers Advantage in Linthicum, Maryland. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show. Hi everyone, Tim Fowler here and welcome to another great episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Don't forget, keep sending me in ideas, uh, whether it's a guest or it's a topic. I'd love to hear from you just to hear, you know, what you'd like us to cover on the show. So a while back, we had the owner of Builder Funnel on the show, and I was absolutely blown away by the ideas that he shared about getting the production team involved in marketing. And this is especially true because generally, like if you go and and talk to a company and you ask about marketing, they're probably going to say something like, oh, that's Jenny. She takes care of all that. And so try this with your team. Try this sometime with your team and just ask them, like your field crew, like how much time do you spend working on marketing, right? Or, or perhaps like, what part do you play in our marketing department? And you're probably just going to get a whole bunch of really puzzled stares like, what are you talking about? I build things, right? Or maybe they might even say, what are you talking about? I work for a living or something crazy like that. So, For people who have their own business uh, in all kinds of of areas of life, they know that the front line with the public is often where you either keep clients or make clients. And a lot of times it's where we get the referrals that we all really love. So our guest today has been around remodeling business, uh, both as an owner, I believe he uh, sold lumber for a little while. And uh, we'll get that information in a minute. But uh, now he serves as our uh, marketing specialist. He's written a book. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, But we're going to just start talking about this idea of engaging the field crew in terms of word of mouth. And then I think there's some other uh, areas that we'll hit as we get onto it. So, Steve, let's go ahead and get going. All right, let's do it, Tim. So Mark Harari is an award-winning marketer and the best-selling author of Lobster on a Cheese Plate, How to Stand Out, Attract the Best Clients, and Win Every Sale that Comes Your Way. He's also the Vice President of Remodelers Advantage, President of RE Marketing, and co-host of the Power Tips Unscripted Podcast. Welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, thanks, Steve. Thanks, Tim. Glad to be here. Hey, give us a little bit more about your history. I kind of kind of jumped into it there, but I honestly don't know all the different things you've done, but give us a little bit more about who you are. Yeah, sure. I um, Actually, I started this industry. My career was at 84 Lumber. Um, I was waiting tables, bartending, and, and proposed to my wife-to-be, and she said yes under the condition that I wouldn't be a waiter or bartender. So. <laughs> So I had to find a job, a real job in the real world, uh, so to speak. And yeah, uh, this was back before Indeed and Monster.com and stuff. You actually had to get a newspaper and circle uh, the one ads. <laughs> and 
84 had had probably the biggest one on the page and uh yeah short while later i was i was hired as a manager trainee and i was off and running and it's funny though that because that's actually how i started in marketing like when i was in college i didn't know what i wanted to do i ended up dropping out because i was just taking college for i was just taking classes i was interested in things right. that interested me and i wanted to learn more about it so i took psychology courses i took creative writing courses i took yeah. some graphic design courses just all these things that interested me and i had no idea what i was going to do with that right well, i don't know where well, i'm i'm not going down a path here so i'm just racking up student loans just for <laughs> for, for fun education right so um so it all kind of started to click uh about a year into my stint at 84 Lumber, I started getting a small book of, of accounts and clients and remodelers and a couple of uh, spot home builders and those types of things. And they were they would be talking to me about their marketing and sh would give me get feedback on stuff. And I was providing feedback to them. And I just it kind of started to click. I actually had one guy that offered to pay me on the side to create his stuff. Wow. And then I started doing it on the side as a side hustle. And. And then I left 84 to, um, to join slash start a remodeling company with uh, someone that I had uh, become acquainted with through 84 Lumber. And uh, the idea was he was going to be doing the selling and all that stuff. And I was going to be doing all the marketing and, and we were off and running. And, and here I am. Now I get to, to work with you. Great, great fellas. All uh, right, cool. That. All right. So there's a lot of stuff uh, there. So we're going to start with this idea of word of mouth marketing. And I think we, you know, initially talked just like, how do you get your field crew? But before we get right into that, define what you believe word of mouth marketing is, because I, I think we just need a little context. Seems pretty simple, but maybe a little context about what your definition is. No, you know, that's a good point, because a lot of people use the terms referrals and word of mouth um, interchangeably. And at least to me, these are two distinctly unique ideas. So referral marketing is something you do uh, in a quid pro quo basis. I, if you get me a referral, I will give you a Amazon gift card or a coffee. And you basically create these formal uh, basically reward incentive programs, right? So that's referral marketing. Word of mouth happens organically. That's not a tip for tat. That's just people talking you up when they're in a conversation with some friends, they'll say, oh my gosh, you got to call Johnny. He's a wonderful guy. And they're not getting anything for it other than the pride of being in the know. I got a guy. That is a, everybody wants to have a guy. Yeah. Right? And, and it's, it's, very satisfying when you are the connected one that people can turn to. And so that that's their reward, but you don't have to pay them for it. And that's, that's really word of mouth. They feel good to, to be like, I, I got a guy, my guy, you got to call my guy. So, so in a nutshell, those are the, the differences. Now, the biggest thing that I've run into is most people, again, they, they think of referrals as referral marketing, and that is that component. And the word of mouth stuff just kind of happens, but, that's that's head trash. You you can have concerted efforts and you can make campaigns that drive both. And you should be driving both. You should try to drive the referrals. There's nothing wrong with having incentivized program to reward people for it. But but the word of mouth part also can be done with deliberate intent as long as you really think about it and, and make a plan. 
Yeah, that was something I was I was thinking about as I was getting ready to have this conversation with you. And that is, you know, it is the word of mouth uh, supposed to have an end result or because generally in marketing, I hear other other people, not me typically, but is there a call to action in your marketing? And when I think of word of mouth, I think of, you know, like a carpenter on the job site and the client says, hey, you guys are doing a great job. And I I think about them saying, hey, you know, tell your friends. I don't ever think about like a call to action. Do you think do you think there's a, a path where you end up with a call to action? Is there something like that in word of mouth marketing? You know, that's a great question, Tim. I, it's it's much more prevalent in the in the referral side because right. again, it's incentivized. So the call to action is, you know, I want to give you I want to take you and your wife out to dinner. Send me a referral. So, right. <laughs> so I can reward you with that gift kind of thing or send you a fruit basket or whatever the case may be. The Really, I, I would say personally, I don't think there is much of a call to action in the, in the traditional sense, right? right? You are trying to create, here's, here's the thing. Word of mouth marketing relies on, on two things, a story worth telling and an audience willing to hear it. Now, your clients provide the audience willing to hear it. They're the ones that are out there talking to that audience. Your job is to provide the story worth telling. And that's where, you know, I wouldn't call it a call to action, but through, uh, through deliberate activities on your part, you create the story that is incredible. Because that's the stories we share, incredible stories, right? And, and that's what word of mouth comes down to. There's a, there's a term in psychology that I learned early on, and it's really the, the foundation of word of mouth, and it's schema. Are, you, are either of you familiar with that term? Schema. You know, I've heard it, but I'm not. I couldn't couldn't give you a definition if you asked me. So please only don't. from your book. <laughs> yeah. So so schema is a set of preconceived ideas that your own brain came up with on how the world should work. In short, it's it's shortcuts your your brain creates so that you can move through life more efficiently. So an example of a schema is if you were to go to dinner you pull out a chair to sit, what's going to happen? Nothing, right? right? You're just going to be sitting at the table. The fact that the chair will support you is a schema. It's right. something your brain devised in its experience of life that is a shortcut. I know the chair will support me. It's a foregone conclusion, so you sit in it. If you didn't have that schema, every time you went to sit down, you would inspect the chair. You'd wiggle the legs, you'd check the back, you'd push down on the seat, Make sure it's sturdy enough, then you'd sit. That's not an efficient way to go through life. So schemas play a critical role in life. The reason I'm bringing it up is because this, the stories we tell break schemas. Those are the things that stand out. So what your job is, is to find the schemas that you can break in a positive light. Using that example, again, if you're at that restaurant and somebody across the restaurant from you walks in, sits down, and the chair explodes, <laughs> and they and they go crashing to the floor, right? Well, think about it. How many people do you think you're going to tell about that? Right. I was at dinner last week. The table just the chair exploded from under them, right? Well, the schema was broken. The chair should have supported the guy, and it broke. So that's that's really how it works. So one thing that I talk about in the book is is really to kind of go through and look for schemas in 
what it is you do. What is it that is a normal transaction? What does everything look like? What do people come to expect from engaging in your brand, engaging with you on a day-to-day basis? And that's just a schema they've built. And now what you got to do is you got to go and break it in a positive light. And when you do that, they're going to be telling that story just like they would tell us the story of the chair that exploded under the poor guy at the restaurant. So now I'm sitting here thinking like, so I'm going to go to my field crew and I'm going to say, listen, guys, when you talk to the clients, I want you to start telling stories. And they're going to look at me and go, Tim, you know, aren't I supposed to be building them a sunroom or building them a kitchen? You want me to sp- how long you want me to spend an hour telling a story? So put it in the context of a job site for us. What are some of the things that may be in the, the, that conversation with a client, word of mouth on the job site that might fit into this idea of, of breaking the schema? That's, that's a great, great question. And actually, I'm really glad you, you framed it that way because it, be, it can be interpreted in a couple ways. The story worth telling in my intention of this is, is the client provides the story. So you don't have to actually do a storytelling session. Okay. You're not, you don't even have to engage with the client. You're creating, again, the, the, the patron that walked in the restaurant didn't come over the table and tell you, guess what's about to happen to me. I'm going to tell you this cool story. You just witnessed this, this schema breaking event. So let's, let's talk about really the schemas lie in the mundane. Okay. It's, rarely ever some big sweeping thing like they came home and you had i don't know hired a a band to play while you were working okay it's not going to be now that's pretty schema breaking it would probably be a story worth telling but but that's not necessary it's all in the little things imagine if again i don't know i'm trying to brainstorm here on the spot what if you're you know you're on your way um you go out to lunch you swing by a local grocery store, whatever it is, giant or something, and you're picking up some things for your wife. And you think, you know what? You text or call your client up and say, you know what? I'm at, I'm at the local Safeway. Is there anything I can pick up for you to save you a trip? I'm here anyway. Wow. That's not something you would expect right. from any a, a remodeler or a, a lead carpenter or anyone, right? That's going to blow the person. You know what? Actually, I'm out of eggs. That would save me a trip. That would be wonderful. I'll pay you when I get you. Absolutely, no problem. I'll take care of it. That's a small little thing, but that is schema breaking. It's not something that people behave in a normal way. And you didn't have to sit down and tell the client a story about this time that I did this for someone. You just do it yourself. And I bet you they're going to be telling people about it. You wouldn't believe what Johnny did. Yeah. He, he, he actually saved me a trip to the grocery store just reaching out. You know, so that's an example it's little things that they're not expecting or that break what their expectations are of the experience with you. Yeah, this is so good because I've been working with companies, especially recently, where we're talking about customer service and the customer experience. And I, I shake my finger at them and I say, look, if you think cleanliness and weekly meetings and um, that kind of thing is going to impress your client? I don't think so. I think that's why they hired you. That's the norm for what they want from a company. And so what, Mark, you're sharing with us is going like above and beyond sort of the standard customer service things that we tend to think about in our business. 
Yeah, you're a hundred percent right. You know, I, I've, I've using a, a poker analogy cause I'm a poker player. That's, that's table stakes, right? Yeah. It, you, you can't even be at, sitting at the table. If you're not going to be clean, if you're not going to be organized. If you're not going to have a meeting and, and communicate with the customer, you don't even belong at the table That's table stakes. Now, does that mean, Mark, is there a way we can gather information at the beginning that would be more, uh, you know, apt to that client, you know, and pass on to our team, you know, things that are more important to them? Or, I mean, do we have standard things to kind of break the schema? That's a great question. You know, and actually, it's a, it's a great point to, to segue. Schemas, there are kind of the universal schemas, like the chair is going to support you. But schemas are personal. It's it's yeah. a shortcut your brain created. So, so there, when you do get into certain levels of trying to break something, it can be very specific to clients or subsets of clients, right? I mean, if 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 you have clients that are that are doctors, they're going to have a different set of schema than hairdressers, right? In in certain aspects of life, and so that's a that's a great point, Steve. You can have. Uh, you know, throwing a rock at a window, I say in the book, if it bounces off, for some people, that'll be mind-blowing. <laughs> for other people, they're going to say, eh, it could have been plexiglass. Yeah. It's not a big deal, right? So, so the schema, in some regards, is going to matter, depend on, on who your audience is, which actually, if, if I could segue on that a little bit, that's another way that um, I might be jumping ahead of, of or derailing the conversation on you guys, but that's another way that that the field staff can really contribute to the company's marketing. And that is providing detailed psychographic profiles on, on the customers. Okay. And so Tim just, his eyes kind of did a thing right there. So (laughs) (laughs) there's, there's, there's two components when, when you're profiling because, because at the end of the day, you're, if you're the business owner in the field, or if the business owner's back at the office, the company should have a target customer in mind. They should have their target client. And that's going to be, uh, most people are going to think of the demographic stuff, okay? It's a, a woman, ages 35 to 42. She lives in this area. The household income is basically X. She has 2.3 kids, you know, yada, yada, yada. But that's all demographic stuff. The psychographic stuff is harder to, to frame, but it's the most powerful and most critical to the business. And that's the interest, the desires, the motivations, the things that they do for fun, the things that scare them. Those are all the psychographic elements of your target customer. And no one is in a better place to ascertain that information than the people that are on the job site day in and day out. They'll get to know, okay, they're driving this car. They watching these TV shows, you know, they're listening to this kind of music. That information is invaluable to a marketer and whoever is in charge of the marketing for the company, if they're not asking you for that information yet, then you should ask them if you could provide it to them because what will happen, and it's not going to happen overnight, but after, as that database starts to build and then you go back and you're looking at your best clients, you're going to make the list of the best clients. You're going to have your worst clients over here. You're going to find the similarities in those subsets. Okay. And those are the things that you're going to change your message as a company in the future so that you attract more of the best clients and 
kind of push away the lesser than best clients, right? And yeah. and that's a huge, huge thing that that anyone that's working day in, day out with their with the customer can can really contribute to the to the overall performance of the company. So again, I'm sitting here going like I'm a lead carpenter and I go like, well, so you want me like looking over their shoulder and seeing what TV shows they watch. You know, it's just that that like you want me to do one more thing like that. If is there is there one or two things that someone in the field should pay particular attention to? Like, like maybe it is the TV programs that they watch, or maybe it's the, the wine bottles, you know, the style of wine that they drink, or, uh, you know, or the type of car. Obviously, a salesperson can see some of those things. But is there anything like that, like one or two things that if they paid particular attention they would. They might be able to aid with this uh, target customer profile. I, I wouldn't say because honestly, I well, I wouldn't say there's just this ideal list of six right. things. You know, what's the music? What's the TV show? I mean, that does tell a lot. But have it in the back of your head to pay attention, and whatever you just come across, even if you just happen to notice one day they're always listening to Lionel Richie. Okay, <laughs> just just let them know. Hey, they're is, you know, uh, Mr. Johnson's a big Lionel Richie fan. Uh, right. That goes a, a, a long way, though, because at, if you think about it, if you start to see that all your customers are into kind of like the 80s or something, right? Well, well, now you're, you're marketing and your messaging and your social media posts. You, you, you should start leaning with some 80s references. You know, that's just one little example of how you're attracting the right people. So, you know, it's it just just keep your eyes open. It, I think you you know it more than you wouldn't that you have been noticing this as just by default in what their interests are. Another benefit too, if, if you start to notice, you, you brought up the wine, Tim. Yeah. But if you notice like some of their favorite brands, if, if they're always Mac users or everybody has a coach purse or whatever, those kinds of things. I, I know I'm getting a little bit in the weeds again, like the lead carpenters, like I'm not looking at her purse brand, but, <laughs> but you never know. You might notice it. But the, the huge benefit to that is when a marketer sees the brands that the target likes, they can look at the way the brand markets to reach that audience. And that saves you. I mean, you know, Coach, BMW, Audi, they're spending, you know, tens of million dollars a month on marketing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So to let them do all the work on how they reach the customer. And then you just hitch off of that and say, okay, these are the, this is the way they speak to their customers in their advertising. I'm going to follow the way BMW markets and I'm going to kind of mimic that to some degree. You're basically getting the, uh, the marketing power of the other company and you can use that information. So I'm envisioning a new page in the job site binder, not, the one that stays on site because you don't want the client to see it. But I'm starting to see a new page in that binder where they're making little notes every week or so as to what they're observing. I, I think it's a, a phenomenal idea. So, Mark, we know that remodeling, you were in the business, is a bumpy road. It's long. It can be months. It's a lot of money. Uh, cabinets can come damaged. Countertops can crack. Whatever it may be, it's a bumpy road. How can we establish, well, I guess it's, it's through intention with our team, but 
make sure that at the end of this, no matter how bumpy the road, is there things we can do to make sure that we'll have advocates at the end of that process? <laughs> Great question. Actually, if, if I'm going to steal something that Victoria says frequently, and you, you guys have probably picked up on it here and there, and it's it's building the emotional bank account. Yeah. Right. So, so it's just the day in day out. If you're having a bad day, don't let the client know it. You know, don't, you can't take it out on them. You gotta, you just, you have to always be doing, it's the little things. It's always being nice, being polite, going out of your way, asking them if they need a carton of eggs while you're at the grocery store. You know, it's all those little things that when something does go wrong, it's not as bad as it would have been if, everything, you know, and it just is as simple as that. Sometimes people want to, you know, I've been asked that question before and, and they want this silver bullet magic answer. And it's, it's just being a good person, being a good person all the time, being empathetic, being friendly and, and just making friends. Don't think of them as clients. They're your friend for the next six to eight weeks or six to eight months, depending on the project, they're going to be one of your best friends. Yeah. So, be friends, be friendly, treat them like you would treat your own friends. Um, maybe not to the beer swiggling part, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, be, just be a good friend. And, and when the, the bumpy road, I'm just like, you know, I hit bad times with my friends and I don't scream and call their parents or something, I, you know? So it's, it just, yeah. it comes down to that. It's simple as that. A lot of tentacles to that. I mean, you go, that goes back to hiring and, and hiring good people and all that. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, this has been so cool, Mark. So we're going to uh, wind up here, but before we do uh, just tell us a little bit about your, your podcast that you and Victoria do, what, what's it all about and where do we find it? Yep. Power tips unscripted. It's the remodeler's guide to business. And we focus on really everything that the, the business owner or, uh, you know, key managers and anybody that's really interested in, in learning about operating a successful business. We, we try to hit all those topics. We'll talk about hiring much, much like you guys do, you know, budget, um, marketing, sales, anything, anything that rega uh, with regard to the operation of a successful remodeling company. And you can just look up Power Tips Unscripted on your favorite podcasting platform. All right. Well, Mark, thank you so much for being here. Again, kind of like what I, my introduction, I was blown away when we had the fellow on from Builder Funnel and I'm blown away again because I think there's some incredible good stuff in here and I'm sure it's going to make its way into some of my presentations on the customer experience and and uh, that job binder, it's going to become part of that list of the job binder now for that. What do you call it? A psycho profile? Psychographic. Psychographic. Yeah. I better write that down so I don't forget. It. And real quick <laughs> on, your, on your book, Mark, because I think it's, it's not just for business owners. I think it'd be applicable to anyone. It's very entertaining. So just title <laughs> and where you get it. Sure. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, it's uh, lobster on a cheese plate. And uh, you can just Amazon, just Google or search Amazon lobster on a cheese plate. You're going to see lobster crackers, lobster bibs, all that fun stuff too. But 
<laughs> actual the, cheese plates. And you might the, actually see a cheese plate too. Yeah. <laughs> right. And do you um are you on is it on Audible too? Am I correct? Yep, yep. Okay. Audible and and uh Kindle and and the website for the book, uh, be the lobster.com is where the book's resources all live. So you can Great. download the resources there. Well, Mark, well, thank, thank you, you Mark. so much for taking a few minutes to be with us. This has been fantastic. And uh, we'll have you back again for some more depth of the psychographic. I think. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I, I look forward to it. Thanks, guys. All right. Take All care. Right. See ya. Tim, I love it when we stray away from the uh, scheduling and, you know, how do we impact the net profit as a production team. But Mark shines a fantastic light on ways that they can continue to increase that word of mouth marketing through our production team, through everyone in the company and the activities that do that. This was, you great. know, what was so cool to me was the breakthrough in my mind was just that the lead carpenter or project manager doesn't have to push the client to tell the story. They just need to break those preconceived notions, those schemas, and the client's going to go tell the story. And I think that's the, that's the thing to look for is look for, help your team look for those things because they're going to be different with different uh, clients. And once you find them and you break them, then the, the clients are going to go out and go, you wouldn't believe what happened at my house, you know? Yeah. And hopefully it's the positive side of that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Otherwise I, it is, it's going to be bad word of mouth marketing, but yeah. uh, we want to make sure we break it on the positive side. Yeah. And I, you know, you mentioned the cleaning piece, but I would have people call me and, you know, it was something that struck with them, but they would call me and they'd say, I heard you're very clean. We're doing our bathroom, you know, something right. like that. So, right. um, well, good. Well, this was fantastic. And we'll hope to have Mark on again soon to uh, deal with a number of the other things in the chapters of the book, Lobster on a Cheese Plate. And we want to thank Mark for joining us today. And we always, always want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Tim Fowler Show. And remember, at the Tim Fowler Show, we're working hard to eliminate, eh, it is what it is, from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast-track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more. And if you'd like more information about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program, please send me an email at steve at remodelersadvantage.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.